Ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, how's it going? My name's Cohen Hughes. I am the host of this podcast, the Association NBA Podcast, where my great friend, colleague, and friend, Thomas Penland. Thomas, say hello to the people. What's up, guys? How's it? I hope everyone's doing well today, just like me and Cohen. We got lots of good content for coming for y'all. NBA Christmas Day, biggest day of the year for the NBA is coming up here soon, so... We're going to get you all ready for that and much, much more. And we got a slate, son. We got a whole bunch of good games. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be in front of the TV all day. I already told my mom she better not be trying to make us eat Christmas dinner during this Rockets Thunder game. Or else well, I'm even if you're eating dinner. Christmas dinner, you just got to have the damn TV on. I don't see what's so hard for people to understand about that. Like, you can watch TV and eat dinner at the same time. See, dude, my mom's real old-fashioned. She wants everyone to sit down, have a prayer. She wants everyone to interact with each other and not sit there and watch TV since it's only <laughs> – her, my, it's pretty much only my family. I think my grandmother will be there. I think her family comes the day after, so God. it's not going to be. A, you know what I mean? She's she's making us all be there, but oh, that's a family function. What, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What do you want to start with today? You want to start with NBA Christmas Day since we're already talking about it? Uh, yeah, let's do it. We will um, actually give you some betting picks if you're much if you're a better. Um, let's start us off with the very first game, the noon game: Bucks at Knicks. The spread, the spread on that? Milwaukee minus eight. Oh, I love that spread. I mean, Milwaukee's a little banged up right now, obviously, but it's the Knicks. Like, the Knicks give up. The Knicks allow a lot of points right now, so I look for that. Yeah, they're, the Knicks are only scoring 108 points per game as the Bucks are averaging 117.8, so, I mean, I don't think they can keep up with them. Who's going to match up on Giannis, you know what I mean? And Ilya Sobel's really the only hurt Buck right now, so as long as the Bucks stay healthy, I think they cover that easily. So logic would tell us that the over/under at one ten would definitely hit the over. Uh, wait, the over/under is it? You mean at two ten? Two ten. Yeah, although I don't know if the Knicks will be able to score enough points to keep up with them. I don't know. Another question before before we move to another game. Also, when's Porzingis supposed to come back? He's been, I feel like he's been out for forever. It's funny that you asked me that because I was literally just reading an article on the NBA website. They're going to reevaluate him in February. 12 months from the previous February where he got injured. Jeez, I mean, it's smart. The Knicks don't have anything to play for, but, like, mm-hmm. dude, it, I, like, I understand New York's New York. They're one of the biggest markets in the NBA. They're one of the biggest cities in America. But, like, dude, I want to watch the freaking Knicks play on Christmas Day. Yeah, me neither. It's ridiculous. Dude, like, I want to watch that game. Like, I know I'm going to watch it just because I like watching the NBA, but – Dude, the Bucks are to beat them by like fifty points. It's not gonna. It's not. I don't think it's gonna be a good game. I think the Bucks will absolutely wear them out. I have done absolutely zero research into the logistics of this schedule. Uh, who's playing the previous day? Who's not? Da, 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 da. I yeah. would have. I would have rather seen Bucks at Raptors instead of Bucks at Knicks. Yes. Well, everybody's off on Monday. Nobody plays on Christmas Eve, so they, okay. on Christmas Day they play games. So no real back to backs. You gotta have worked in there, but. Yeah, no, I mean, that's I, I don't want to watch the Knicks, but I'm going to watch it anyway. I was about to say, I'll watch uh, it because it's NBA basketball, but I do not want to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At 3 o'clock, though, the game that I'm going to be waiting for all day, Thunder at Rockets, what's the spread on that one? It is OKC, or oh, no, it's actually Houston, minus 2.5. Oh, I'm definitely going OKC money line. You get a nice little payout on that. I mean, Plus no Chris Paul. I, plus 118. I'll probably, swap, I'll probably take my two points then, just – just whatever. I was but, about to say plus one eighteen doesn't do it for me, especially not yeah. for this close of a game. Yeah, that's not enough. But I mean, no Chris Paul. The Rockets are zero and five this season without Chris Paul. Zero and six if you want to count last night because he only played twelve minutes. So I just feel like not having Chris Paul, the depth they give up to have Chris Paul, which is a topic I'll bring up later, will hurt the Rockets a lot in this game. OKC is having a really, really good season. I think that OKC rolls in this one. Um, and I'm and you know I'm a Rockets guy. Yeah, so yeah. In fact, I'm saying that. But you but you got to call it like it is. Keep it real with mm-hmm. us. Um, exactly. Like last night, my max lock was the uh, was the Heat plus four, which I actually don't think would have hit if the Chris Paul didn't go out. No, no, it wouldn't. That was a good game, though. Honestly, I was watching that game. Yeah. Um, moving on, 76ers at Celtics. This is the 530 game. Um, all mm. these games are on ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. And this is actually Boston minus four and a half hosting the 76ers. Philly's not great on the road. They're six and nine on the season on the road. I probably would take Boston with. I'll have to eat the points, but I think God, I can eat them four and here a half in this situation. Eat, though. 
Yeah, I'll probably buy it down to four. Might even take the if the money line's under two twenty, I would smack the money line on that one. But I think it would be a good matchup. I mean, I think the Rock the Rockets Thunder will be a fun one to watch. But I mean, this one's just got so much star power. You got the stacked up Celtics team along with the Jimmy Butler 76ers getting to show it off in prime time what they got here with this team. So I mean I think this game will be this is must see TV. Yeah, oh no, this is gonna be a good game. This is gonna be right in the sweet pocket. Uh, if you're preparing or eating dinner, this game can go on in the background on the TV. Or if you're just leaving your family's house, you'll get home right in time for this game. This is th- this is a good slot for them. Five thirty. Yeah, no, I like it. Typically, they do that Laker or they do that Warriors Cavs game at five thirty. But I like how they move that Lakers Warriors game, especially since they're on the West Coast, mm-hmm. out to eight p.m., which is the net. What's the what's the spread on that game? Um, eight p.m. Los Angeles Lakers at Golden State Warriors. Golden State is favored by eight points, minus eight. I'd take the Warriors in that game. I mean, this game to me is like this is this is like what the Christmas present that I'm going to ask for under the tree right here that I'd be unwrapping. I mean, obviously, I'd rather watch the Rockets play the Warriors, but like this is like the Christmas present we wait on all day. We get it at eight o'clock. I mean, we get to watch LeBron Lakers for the first time ever play the Warriors. I'm going to take the Warriors here in this one. Warriors 13 and three at home. I think that they've been embarrassed a couple times on national TV at home, and I've looked for them since they're healthy now to come out and smack the Cavs or the Lakers around in this game. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards the Lakers plus eight. They will not win this game, but they could keep it a few possessions in the end. Backdoor cover, if, if you will. But uh, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably take uh, GSW minus the eight. And see, I think it would be the. I feel like it'd be the same way. Like yesterday, I had Duke minus nine and a half, and I was sitting there watching the game the whole time, and I was like, "Dude, I'm not covering this spread at all." Then at the last minute, Duke pulled away, and they covered it. Yeah, I feel like it'll be the same way, kind of like that. The Lakers will hang, and then at the end, kind of the Warriors will just be the Warriors and hit a couple threes, and they'll have no answer for them. So, no, it'll be fun to watch the last. Your Jazz, though, man. So this is my or- Christmas present. You said that you, that the 8 p.m. game was your Christmas present that you wait all day for. This is my Christmas present. My Utah Jazz host the Portland Trail Blazers. Utah's favored by four. Um, God, that that's a tough one. I don't know if I give Utah the whole four points, but I will just because I'm a fan. Look, I'm taking Utah in this game, and I'm also going to hit whatever Joe Ingles' player prop is for points. Joe Ingles in primetime is like is like primetime. He's like TNT, ESPN, ABC, Rondo. It's the same thing. Oh, TNT Joe loves Ingles. him. They, they interview him all the time after his good games on TNT. Yeah, I mean, every I feel like every single time I watch Joe Ingles and he's on network television, Joe Ingles plays 10 times better. I don't know what it is, but he shows out for the fans in those games. But then I go watch Joe Ingles off my Reddit streams and watch him play against, play just a casual Tuesday night, and he looks like any other average player in the league. But Joe Ingles on network TV is a different player. Mm-hmm, he is. But honestly, in this game, both these teams play each other tonight. I got the Blazers tonight in this one. That's actually one of my max plays tonight. Um, I think that since they're playing each other so close together and like this, I'm actually I'm going to take the Jazz with the four points. Yeah, well, because well, of course they're going to split. Mm-hmm. Although the Jazz haven't been that great at home, but I mean, I feel no, like the Jazz got to get hot here uh, soon. Well, so they I turned think- it around in the last, uh, I think, like probably six or seven games. I think they're five and two in their last seven home mm-hmm. games. I think they're three and zero oh in their last three. Um, this is a fucking stupid little tidbit, and I hate myself for even bringing this up. But the Jazz fired their longtime, like, 18-year mascot, the guy who, mm-hmm. who, who's in the Jazz Bear suit, um, mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of the year. And whenever they did that, they went, like, 2-8 and eight in their next 10 home games. And then since then, we've, we've steadily improved. So the Jazz Bear curse is finally lifted. You better hope it is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. So I was watching the Jazz game the other night. This kind of segues a little bit into it for me. I was watching the Jazz Warriors game. What do you think is wrong? I think I know what is wrong with the Jazz, but what do you think is wrong with Donovan Mitchell? Because I think that is their biggest problem. I watched this game. He is 5 for 26. I mean, he had 17 points, but, I mean, that's a terrible 5 for 26. I don't know how he had a positive plus minus. He was plus 5 in this game. But sitting there watching the game, I mean, there was a point in the game where Donovan Mitchell was kind of trying to ISO and get them a bucket there at the end when y'all were only up by 3. And he took a dumbass 3. No, yeah, no, he went in a hole and he, drib- and he dribbled the ball off his own foot out of bounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was his seventh turnover, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had seven. Yeah, it's, no, he had six turnovers to go along with that. I mean, mm-hmm. what is wrong with the Jazz? Do you think it's Donovan Mitchell's decline in his play? Um, I think the over-reliance on Donovan Mitchell from last year, because last year it was raw. Um, no one had mm-hmm. any tape on it. 
so we could get away with giving the ball to him any given night, letting him go up and take 25 shots. And if he hits five or eight or seven of them, then, yeah, that's fine, as long as we still win. But this year, um, teams are starting to get privy to how he plays and how the Jazz as a team play. Um, the scheduling has definitely been tough on the Jazz this year. We have the toughest schedule, by and large, without even a doubt. And I don't make excuses like that, but in terms of personnel and player and actual on-the-floor product, um, Rubio hadn't been scoring as high at a high as a clip as he scored last year. Um, we're shooting the three ball extremely terribly. I think we're bottom five in the league in three-point in three percentage. Um, yeah, that's why y'all went out and got Corver. Corver's mm-hmm. been good for Corver was really good in that uh, Golden State game the other night. Um, he was. I, this is very homeristic of me, but I really, really, really do see the Jazz turning this one around. This is a, a, we're playing at too low of a clip with this hard of a schedule. I do not see this lasting. Um, the Jazz, you were right there, currently tied with Phoenix for 25th in the league, shooting the long ball mm-hmm. um, at thirty at uh, 33.1%. I'm actually going to agree with you on this one that the Jazz will turn around. If people remember last year after the All-Star break, the Jazz were the hottest team in the NBA. They actually only lo- – the only team that beat them twice last year was the Hawks, which was the weirdest thing ever. I was, I was, there, the Jazz- I was there for that game in, in Atlanta. After that mm-hmm. game, Rudy Gobert tweeted, we will be fine. They rattled off. They went thirty and eight in the next thirty-eight games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think the Jazz turn it around just like you do. They were a second-half team last year. Donovan Mitchell actually played a lot better in the second half of the season as well. Because I got an argument over Twitter. I remember I was asking you to help me out a little bit with these uh, Philly fans. It was pretty fun. God, honestly. I had the Philly fans hate class. Donovan Mitchell for some reason. Mm-hmm. They feel I threatened. Three I think. I had this, yeah, they definitely felt threatened. I had this three-hour class last semester, and so I'd literally just sit in there on Twitter and argue with fans. I'd comment on like Bleacher Report, ESPN's yeah. post, to try to get, get some uh, takers. Yeah. And these guys, they were pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, they're pulling out like Rudy Gobert's win share total and all this stuff. But I was firing right back at him with all kinds of stuff to back up Donovan Mitchell. But Donovan Mitchell took off in the second half of the season, and I really think that he'll kind of do the same thing here. Right now, he's kind of sophomore slumping. Even if he doesn't pick it up this season, I don't lose faith in Donovan Mitchell. It could be a sophomore slump for him but i agree with you i think the jazz will turn it around and get better as the season well and you gotta and and you gotta realize that it's a a sophomore slump is is a very good way to describe it but it doesn't depict the whole picture whenever you Mm -hmm. play a year in the league and you have more tape on you coaches start pulling that tape up and game planning against you specifically so if teams have a what is the nba offseason six months four months Mm -hmm. some shit like that if they have that much time to sit back and nitpick your game and game plan for you and plan their defenses around you, yeah, it's going to take a hurt on your on your scoring totals. But I don't lose faith in Donovan Mitchell because playing for Quinn Snyder is very, very tough. Um, he requires a very strange basketball player, someone who needs to be uh, as proficient in defense as they are in offense. Donovan Mitchell has shown he can distribute the ball. He can play defense. I have no faith lost in Donovan Mitchell. I like that. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I think, I mean, it might be a little bit of software. So, like you said, also, you might have to adjust. Like I said, though, I think he takes off here in the second half of the season. Um, as of right now, who would you pick to be your MVP of the league? MVP of the league? Um, my dark horse is Jokic. Jokic can pass the ball. He facilitates well in the high post. I really like his game. But I actually have an I have an argument here for you against Jokic. Look, okay. I love everything Jokic's doing, taking his team to top in the Western Conference. I've tried to play devil's advocate here with him a little bit, mm-hmm. but I can't have my league MVP averaging under 20 points per game unless he's averaging like 12, 15 assists. Jokic's averaging 8, 9, and, and 17.9. Jokic doesn't score enough points, in my opinion, to win MVP of the league. Um, if Real MVP, especially if I can use the last 10 games as a litmus test. James Harden, mm-hmm. even though I hate his game and um, I think the referees give him preference, um, totally based off the st- statistics and the fact that Chris Paul is out and when he is in, he's not as effective as we're used to seeing, James Harden would be your NBA MVP for this year. Wow. See, 
James Harden is my favorite player in the league. I think he means the most to his team. I saw a stat yesterday. James Harden has scored seventy five over 75% of his baskets. This is the most of any player in NBA history to lead the league in scoring. Scored seventy five over 75% of his baskets that are non-assisted. So that means he's creating his own shot at that clip, which is absolutely crazy. He leads the league now in scoring. He's hit 93 unassisted threes. The next closest player is Kimball Walker. That was before last night, so I don't know what he's at now after last night. Kimball Walker has hit 42. So, I mean, that's over 50 more. That's crazy right there. But the other thing, too, for me of why that – I mean, I would love to pick James Harden. He's my favorite player. Everybody knows I would, but I can't pick him just for that reason. I'm actually going to go with Giannis as my MVP of the league. And my reasoning for picking Giannis as my MVP of the league, the Bucks right now are 21-9. and nine. Giannis is sixth in the league in scoring, and he can't even shoot the three ball. We're in a three-point mm-hmm. shooting league, and he's shooting 12% from three. And yeah. He's averaging 26.7 points per game. He's .5 behind Damian Lillard. He's in, at fifth. He gets 93% of his points in the paint, and that's basically off him driving of the 41 players that have taken over 400 shots this season, Giannis leads them in efficient field goal percentage at 59.7%. And the only players in the league that have ever surpassed that clip is for field goal efficiency is LeBron and Steph Curry. Those are the only with the, with the same usage rate that he has. So mm, he, he has a fucking super high usage rate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. With players with that high of a usage rate that have eclipsed that number, only LeBron and Steph Curry have. And he leads the league in unassisted dunks at 55. Gobert, his second with 23. So Donovan Mitchell is putting up all kinds of numbers right now. Yeah, um, that's a great point that you make about usage rate. And I really do think usage rate should be a huge factor in what actually determines MVP. Um, yeah, I, I think everybody that, argues with me about James Harden. They're like, oh, he's so many so many turnovers, he leads the league. I'm like, go look at his usage rate and compare it to the other players. If you took every single player's usage rate and compared it to James Harden and bumped up their turnovers, he would not have the most turnovers in the league. When you have the ball in your hands that many times and do as much as he does for the team, you're bound to turn it over seven or eight times in a game when you have the other player trying as hard as they can to lock you up. When you are the offense and you are the star and you are the biggest target, you're going to have some turnovers. Exactly. And I mean, it, it clearly hasn't been much to bother the Rockets. I mean, James Harden, it looks too easy for him. I've watched every single game on this on this uh, stretch where he's been going off. I mean, uh, yeah, I saw the travel. I swear to God, by the way, if another person tries to tell me that James Harden travels the most of anybody in the league, I'm going to smack you in the face. Everyone I mean, travels. Can, that His, yeah, his, his, his just get covered the most because it's a meme. Dude, everybody tries to point out everything James Harden does wrong, and it's really starting to piss me off. Like, why can't we appreciate the fact that we have the greatest isolation scorer ever, the greatest player ever at getting his own shot and creating for his teammates? I mean, to say James Harden, I know that Chris Paul and James Harden said earlier in the week that James Harden was the best offensive player he's ever seen. I don't know if you could say he's the best offensive player ever. There's been lots of players to play. I think in this era of the high scoring and the three-point shooting league, he leads the league, by the way, in three-pointers made as well. Mm -hmm. Another stat for you. I think James Harden is the best play, offensive player we've seen in this era of playing basketball. I don't know if he's the best all-time, because I haven't seen that other era, but I mean, I'd say he's definitely going to be top five best offensive players to ever play the game. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I do think so. Um, the, the only real complaint that I can ever bring up about James Harden, and this isn't even a complaint, this is more of an observation, and this uh-huh. is just luck of the draw, is that he gets a lot of preference from the referees. But then again, with the same argument, which star doesn't? Exactly. I understand we can point it out. We can say, hey, James Harden gets a lot of calls. This isn't that. That's fine. That's cool. I'm a, I'm a James Harden hater. I'm sitting here giving him his props because he deserves it. But every other star gets calls too, and we don't hold that against them to the rate that we hold James Harden to. So it's a bit unfair. Exactly. We hold traveling. We hold getting calls. First off, how's it James Harden's fault that he gets calls? Like he said the other night, the referees are tell on myself. Yeah, the the referees are an independent group of guys who, by and large, have very little connection to. Best way to phrase this. Yes, I believe the NBA is rigged, but I do not believe that it's rigged to us to to push an agenda. An agenda that's this is not some deep state conspiracy theory. The referees are an independent group of contractors who are very loosely associated with the NBA. And I'll put it to you this way: if these guys were NBA refs, they'd be refs somewhere else. So they don't care what happens. We just can't hold that against James Harden. James Harden that he gets those calls. Yes, he gets them. Can't hold it against him. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like everybody in the NBA travels. If y'all want me to, like, if you like, slide my DMs at at Hot Takes with TP3 on Twitter. I'll gladly go out of my way to make for you a montage of any player. Oh, you a Lance Stevenson traveling video defense. Oh my God, Lance, Lance Stevenson walks with the basketball every time it's in his hand. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if y'all if y'all really want to try to call James Harden out, like, it's like people try to find these things that James Harden does, but the rest of the league does. Like, if you really want to argue with me on this, I will gladly go in and I will gladly fu- gladly make for you a montage of that, of any player you select doing that. I'll gladly do it for you. Mm-hmm. But going back to what you said, actually, about the NBA being rigged, I agree with you on that to an extent, but here's my counter argument for you on that. My well, my counter argument for you on that is what it what what finals matchup did we want to see for the last ten years or so? What what finals matchup did we want to see that we never got to see? That we never got to see? Yeah, Kobe versus LeBron. Exactly. I think if the NBA was rigged, we would have seen that matchup because Kobe versus LeBron. I mean, I remember from as long as I can remember watching the NBA. The NBA when LeBron first broke into the league. He became my favorite athlete. That was what made basketball become my favorite sport gradually over time was LeBron James. Like, I'll never deny that. That's why I always love LeBron because LeBron's the reason why basketball is my favorite sport. LeBron was that athlete I saw in my Sports Illustrated for kids when he was in middle school or when he was in high school playing basketball. I was like, damn, this guy's in high school and he's on the cover of, uh, cover of Sports Illustrated. Like, that's crazy, man. That just made me automatically follow LeBron and love LeBron. I mean, he transformed everything we ever thought he'd be. But the fact that we never got to see the Lakers play LeBron in the finals is one evidence for me against the NBA being rigged my other thing is look I think if they they if the refs can help push for a matchup that they that the people want to see and a favorable matchup for the NBA to make money they will call fouls and stuff to make it to make it more favorable but they can and we've seen proof of that before like like yeah like Kobe limping to the playoffs and what 2012 whenever he had tore his ACL Mm -hmm. Uh, they were gifting the Lakers that playoff spot yeah, like, I mean, you can definitely make an argument that it's, it, like, I agree with you. You can definitely make an argument for that. It's just that I think it can only do so much. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for yeah, example, 100%. I think when, the LeBron, when LeBron lost to the Magic in the conference finals, I feel like if LeBron could have kept those games to one-point games, the refs would have given LeBron all the calls down the stretch mm-hmm. in an overtime to get him to the finals. Mm-hmm. But LeBron, you know what I mean? You can only It's hard so to keep a him. team close in a blowout. Exactly, exactly. So... I mean, I'll agree with you to an extent it is rigged. and which, I mean, it makes sense. I feel like to an extent all sports are rigged. If you can, 100%. If you can keep a game close at the team that would make that makes the sport more profitable, I think we'll always get the beneficial calls at the end of the game. That's just the way it is. My one, problem, my one problem with the NBA and why I criticize their officiating probably more so than any other league is because there seems to be a disconnect because, like, I'll, I'll I'll use your words, give giving us the matchup that we want. Well, there's a disconnect in the matchups that we want sometimes, and what actually happens. Um, it really, really, really seems like to me, the NBA is more influenced by money and jersey sales than it is actual quality basketball, and. Beggars can't be choosers. Hey, me and you love the NBA as much as any any other league in in the world. We get enough basketball in the regular season to play out our fantasy matchups and to satisfy our basketball cravings. I just wish there was a little bit more parity in what we see. And not even talking about the NBA Finals. That The NBA Finals is a completely different beast from what I'm talking about. I have an ultimate small beef with the way the NBA does things, because I've always been a fan of small market teams. And there seems to be a disparity in the calls that the big market teams, like your Houston Rockets get, and the calls that my ex-LA Clippers, now Utah Jazz get. That's my only beef. Fair enough. I mean, I agree with you, but like I said earlier, it's all about the money and which which teams to make you more money. You know, so yep. if the Jazz though, if the Jazz can really compete like that, though, I think they could definitely get some calls. But I don't think they're as competitive as the NBA wants them to be in order to get those calls. Also, another, I'll let you, I'll let you give us our next topic to talk about. But real quick, did you watch that uh, Clippers? Actually, let's let's discuss this a little bit here. Did you watch that Clippers Mavs game last night? Yes, I did. 
Um, before I bring up the real topic of discussion, how funny is it to watch Steve Ballmer sit there half side or at court side and freak out during the games? Bang, he's, he's dude! Nobody Ballmer's has more fun not, watching dude. an NBA game than dude. Steve Ballmer. Nobody Bro, has more fun. Literally, the CEO of Microsoft is just a humongous mm-hmm. basketball degenerate. I cannot oh. believe it. I loved it. He was having a hell of a time. That was a fun game to watch. But mm-hmm. my next topic of discussion for you is. Is Luka Doncic already run away with the Rookie of the Year? Yes, there's no, there's no question. I'm, I, 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 I hate these discussions. Uh, awards kind of bore me because we've seen so many of them. But in this particular case, Luka Doncic is the undisputed Rookie of the Year, and you can pull up fucking someone's EPF and efficient field goal percentage, but I don't care. Luka Doncic has taken the Mavs to competitively a level that I would have never thought I would have seen from them this year. And, um, and, and that is just the way it is. I think a lot more people predicted the Mavs. A lot of people thought the Mavs would make the playoffs now that they got Donkic on their squad. I think he's absolutely run away with it. I'm not going to lie. I, after watching that game last night, I was a, he, I think he had 32 in that game. Yeah. He, I was a little scared that the Hawks might have made a mistake trading him for Trey Young. You I mean, be, don't you get me wrong. This, this, this trade, I mean, last night it really came to light to me that we could potentially have made like one of the top five worst trades in NBA history. But I personally am a positive Hawks fan. I will stay positive with this team always. I have faith in... In Trey Young, that I think he will be the player I thought he will. If you go listen to any of my old podcasts, just because the Hawks got him, yes, I said Luka Doncic was the best player in this draft. I also said though, that right. Trey Young was the only player that had the ability to surpass Luka Doncic because of the potential he has. Trey Young is better than I thought he would be this year as a rookie. I think he will come around and everything. I'm, I have a lot of faith in him, but I mean, what I saw out of Doncic was unreal yesterday, and the best part about th- about what I saw out of him was the little things he was doing. Like, there'd be plays where he drives in and pulls up for that pull-up two, and he fakes a pass, and you see the entire defense react to where he fakes the pass, and he's wide open to shoot a jump shot because they already respect his passing that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only averaging five assists per game, but I mean, you got to respect Doncic that much, and he was taking it at the Clippers. He didn't back down at all. He looked like an NBA star who had been there before and was ready to win games. I mean, everything I saw out of him last night, I was thoroughly impressed with, and I was just like, damn, this is a true superstar in this league coming up soon. Um, This is a very controversial viewpoint. And I know, and I have known this for years. Um, I'm, of course, open to debate. <laughs> if anybody wants to get at us and try to debate this with me, I think you're absolutely wrong if you do. But Luka Doncic was playing grown ass men in the Euro League, which is the mm-hmm. second best basketball mm-hmm. league in the world. The absolute worst. Euro League team would scrape ninety nine point nine 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 percent of these college basketball teams now today on zero days rest. I take the worst Euro team over Duke right now. 100%. I let's let's not get crazy. That that was one of my few exceptions. Really? See, yes. I think if you if you go to the best league and you take the worst team, I think they would whack second Duke. these guys. Second best way- league. NBA is the best league. It'd be cl- no, that's what I'm saying. The second over, I said out of Euro leagues. If you were in the oh. second best Euro league, I think they have like Euro Basket, which is all the whatever that mm-hmm. whatever that tournament is they have where it's all the best. It's basically yeah. the Champions League for yeah. European basketball teams. Mm-hmm. If you, I think if you take the best team, the the worst team out of that and put them up against Duke, I think they'd still beat them. I think it'd be close, but I mean, I think it would be close. I 100 agree, but I do think that. And, and and look, this isn't me putting my money on Duke. This is. Or putting my money on the Eurobasket team, but it it would definitely be close. Yeah, and I think honestly, outside of Duke, I think any other team in college basketball would get absolutely would, would get absolutely manhandled. And I really think Duke, though, if Barrett Williams Williamson or uh, or Reddish got in foul trouble, I mean, I think the game would be over. And- they have to have all three of those guys. I just don't think Duke's supporting cast could keep them in the game. I feel like when those guys those guys would have to play 40 minutes and they'd have to be effective for all 40. And what people real don't realize is this is not being prejudiced in any way. This is not being controversial. This is not being crazy. This is not being hot take. This is me telling you exactly the way 
because I've watched videos, training videos on European basketball people. I've seen the inside the mics of these European basketball teams. I've read articles about these European basketball teams. These kids in Europe and even the the college players that we lose to the Euro leagues over there are trained to be more fundamentally sound than our kids are trained in America in basketball. In in youth basketball today, it is no longer about fundamentals and defense and hustle. It is about threes, dunks, putbacks, and the show. Nothing wrong with that. Some that is like Mark Cuban right now. That that's kind of what did you hear? What is. did you hear yeah. what he said? Is that I, I, kind this, of what this, this? this is exactly the quote that I read today, and I agree with him one hundred percent. Mark Cuban sometimes is out of touch, and he's some sort of like lame, the lame dad that that your friend is your friend's dad is kind of lame, but is always the chaperone. I absolutely think Mark Cuban is 100% right. Our kids are not taught the same because because our kids are better than theirs. We we know this. But they're not taught to the same seriousness and respect of the game that those European kids are taught. It's same same thing with soccer. Yeah, you can make an American kid good as hell at soccer, dribbling and doing all that, but he will never play with the same respect for the game and the same fundamentals that these European kids are taught. And Europe has really surpassed us in terms of youth basketball in the past 10, 15 years. And you see it now with all these dime a dozen European ballers that we have. So not to harp on a stupid point that Mark Cuban made, but I really, really, really do, going back to what we said about Trey Young versus Doncic, I really do think Doncic was leagues and far more many miles ahead of Trey Young simply because of the last two years of basketball that he played. My uh, rebuttal to that would be the reason why we don't see So you could say, I agree with you in the fact that Doncic is better than these guys because he played over there against this talent and against this, against the, and basically in a league of men since he was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. But my and dominate, and dominated. Be, he didn't, he wasn't holding his own. He was dominating. Yeah. yeah MVP dominating. of the Eurobasket finals. My rebuttal to that, though, is the majority of the best best players over in or the best athletes in Europe play soccer, so we don't really get to compare. It's not as easily compared. Mm-hmm. But in my personal experience, I grew up playing basketball. I had a basketball trainer, uh, Kobe Simmons, Malik Beasley. Both them are in the NBA. Kaiser Gates. I think Kaiser is playing overseas now. They trained with us in these basketball trainers, and it was completely different than that. He didn't teach us the flashy stuff. He taught us all the fundamentals. His thing was that every single player on the court should dribble. Even the big men, he didn't do any drills separately between big men and guards. He made every single person do dribbling and stuff like that. I think it's just more so what we see on TV in the NBA and how it's flat, how there's the show aspect to the NBA. And I think it's kids adding that in there. I don't think it's taught like that. I think it's taught pretty fundamentally, and I think we do a pretty good job over here. So I I vehemently disagree. If you go, I've worked the scorebooks and the scoreboards and the cameras and the stat sheets for these AAU tournaments, and that that could be further from the truth. These these AAU players are worried about nothing than the stat sheet and the show they put on. I 100% but what class disagree. of but what class of AAU is it? That you, 15 that to 17. But like I'm saying like is it for like the Georgia Stars or is it for like the Reach Higher Kings or something like that? Oh no, it was Georgia Stars. It was like Bowl Bowl's team. It was this was the Adidas Under Armour AAU Premier Tournament. That these there there were there was so much controversy that went on about the games because of what teams wear what uniforms. Basketball has turned into it and, and football too to be quite honest with you has turned into a, a a parade and I think Mark Cuban is absolutely right we need to get serious about youth training and if you want a serious future in sports you need to become serious and fundamental about the way you approach the game like they are I mean all these kids though that get caught up in the flashiness and stuff of basketball I feel like they fizzle out in the college ranks and they don't make it to the league I feel like the ones that are really serious about all of it and they have all the talent they're the ones who end up getting to the NBA only a select few do so I feel like look the ones Col- that are fundamentally sound are still look, finding their way to the league look at Colin Sexton he has a he has a huge ramp for potentially NBA and he's seen as one of the better young players and um he was beefing with Penny Hardaway and his son during an AAU game I mean, I could I, I could pull up a million of these instances. That's also though, just kids being young and dumb. You know what I but mean? But isn't and that also, our problem? Isn't that our problem? If you want a serious, Luka Doncic wasn't a young dumb kid. He was a 15 year old dominating the Euro leagues. That's kind of our point. Was Lebr- neither was LeBron though. 
hey, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and, and, and that kind of a recurring theme to be to be the greatest, you have to be serious. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of Mark Cuban's point? Like, yeah, like we've lost a step in terms of American youth sports. I don't know. I disagree with Mark Cuban. I'm not really seeing it. But let's move here to uh, to another topic. Um, back to the Rockets. I know I want to talk about the Rockets. They were on fire until Chris Paul went down yesterday. I mean, when the Rockets have Chris Paul and they're at full strength, we've seen now what they can do and what kind of team they can be. I mean, do you think – they said Chris Paul should be out the next two to three weeks. Do you think this Chris Paul injury is, is serious, yes or no? Um, yes, I do think it's serious. And who who's the GM? Daryl Morley? Isn't that the Houston Darryl GM? Daryl Morley. Um, he, I saw the quote from him today is actually maybe an hour ago. It may have been as soon as we started this podcast, I got, I got a phone notification that says, I think you misquoted him by saying he only should be out two to three weeks. I think that the surrounding attitude around the team is that they're hoping it'll be two to three weeks and it could not be serious. I think, I think this will be about a month and a half injury when it's all said and done from rehab starts and travels and all this other mumbo jumbo that has to go on with the NBA injury protocol. I do think that that it is a somewhat serious injury. I think it'll keep keep him sidelined from anywhere from four to six weeks. Um, I think the two to three week projection was sort of an optimistic pursuit. And I think that was sort of him hoping. Um, I do think this, this will keep him out for a good bit of time though. Um, He sprinted, he sprinted straight to the locker room, dude. It, it didn't look good. Or not sprint. He was helped straight to the locker room. Yeah. No, it did not look good at all. And Houston cannot have him out. They gave up so much depth. They gave up Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker. I mean, those are three of their biggest rotational players. I mean, Sam Decker was like the seventh, eighth, ninth man. He was more of the you throw him in there. If he's got the energy that night, he plays. Yeah. If he doesn't, he's out. And I really liked Montrez Harrell, too. He was honestly the player I liked seeing go the least in that trade, and he is thriving in, L- in L.A. Dude, I thought he was kind of like could come in there at power forward. He's be a poor eating. man's clip. Yeah, eating. I love the energy he plays with. Like Montrez Harold comes out there and he plays. He gives you 150 percent if he's playing the the Cavs, and he gives you 150 percent if he's playing the Lakers. Like, there's no drop off in the matter. energy that he brings, and that's what the kind of energy and kind of player you need. Like, if you're playing the Cavs and there's there's a half, less than half the people in the arena, Montrez Harold's going to try to bring some energy and get get a little energy in the building. You know what I mean? That's the kind of player you need on your team. So, I hated seeing him go in that trade, but I mean, I agree with you that. I think it is more serious than we think it is. The Woj said it was two to three weeks. I kind of I usually trust the Woj, but I mean this. Yeah, the, Woj, the Woj is usually a good source of information. I like to think that Brandon Knight, after he gets two or after he gets in shape here a little bit more, will be ready to roll. But at the same time, Brandon Knight hadn't played basketball in a year and a half, and he tore his Achilles, which is pretty much the irrecoverable NBA injury. So. <sighs> Uh, it's going to be tough, man. It's definitely going to. It's definitely going to be tough to see what happens there with the Rockets. I think that one could hurt them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any, what, anything else you want to talk about here? Yeah, I got, I got a few little tidbits. Um, I guess, I guess we'll start out in Houston. Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's it, the news broke in Atlanta on um, Jeremy Lin was an was a guest on whose podcast is it? Vince Carter and Bazemore. Yeah. Yep. So he was a guest on that podcast. Um, I think this has been about a day or two ago. And Jeremy Lin actually had a quote about Coach D'Antoni that I thought was actually pretty cool. Jeremy Lin on Coach D'Antoni. Quote, I remember I had one game where I had nine turnovers and we lost. And I got a call from him after the game. He says, I just wanted to call to let you know next game, Go ahead and get 20 turnovers. Do not once stop and think about the turnovers or stopping your ball. End quote. See, I love that. Mike D'Antoni to me is a great coach because he gives the point guard his ball and says, you're going to run the offense for me. You're going to make it happen. Like I, like he made Kendall Marshall a 15-8 and eight guy. And, Kendall and, Marshall wasn't even in the league next year. And I like, I, I like the adage, if you're going to make a mistake, make the mistake at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Because it could open up other doors elsewhere. I feel like that's exactly what a guy like Jen needs to hear. And I really do love that tidbit. Because I do think that D'Antoni's a good coach. I think he's a little bit old and phased out for this NBA. He's still holding his head above mm-hmm. water. I, th- I still think he's doing a hell of a job keeping that Houston team relevant with his... I don't know what adjective of word you would call it. But that offense that is so weird and finicky. 
Um, I think it hurts him on nights when the shots don't fall. And unlike the Grizzlies and the Jazz, they can score when the when the shot's not falling because they have to play a grinded-out style of offense. But for the most part, 80 to 85% of the time, D'Antoni's shit is working. And when, it's, when it is working, it is full cylinder. Yeah, uh, I like the way D'Antoni does everything, too. I just like how he likes having people play full speed ahead. Speaking of the Grizzlies, like I said, they fizzle out a little bit. They finally dropped out of the playoffs. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Yep. They're about to be 2-8 and eight after they lose to the Blazers tonight. Yeah, go ahead and mark that one down right there, baby. <laughs> I got I got the Blazers going, going big in that one. But I kind of agree with you on that one. Here's another little topic. So me and one of my other buddies, we did a little special edition Hot Takes of TP3 episode earlier in the week where we discussed the top 20 players in the league. I put Devin Booker in there, and he had a freak out about it. He, we probably just debated it for 20 minutes. Damn. Suns are 3-0 and ever since Devin Booker's come back. They're on a 4-0. Four four let me give no, you he a— no, me, he didn't play in that in that Thursday night game though, where they won against the Mavericks. Okay. But they're on a four-game win streak right now, yep. and they put Mikel Bridges in the starting lineup. I mean, do you think there's a lot of potential coming up here in this young Suns team? Uh, yes, I do, and thank you for cashing me to my next point. In 17 games as the Suns starter, T.J. Warren at power forward is averaging 21 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and the block on 53, 44, and 88 shooting. Jeez. TJ Warren, I'm not going to lie, when he was at NC State, so I'm a huge ACC basketball guy. TJ Warren's by far my favorite player to watch in college basketball. This man had like five 40-point games in a row. He didn't turn out at first in the NBA, but he finally found his way a little bit here in Phoenix. It took him a couple seasons. Um I love TJ Warren. I think he's just a hard-nosed scorer. He's found out how to translate his game from college over to the NBA. I think he's only going to keep on getting better. I think the Suns got a nice little uh, young court here that can do some damage. I think that once they throw in there a top pick of a guy like D, um, of Zion or R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Bull Bull, if they throw any of those big four guys in there in their team, they're going to have a team to play with right there. Yes, they are. Um, so here, here's the, the uh, tidbit on Reddit that I found. The Phoenix Suns are now 4-0 and since Devin Booker tweeted, I love Phoenix, and yep. since the old lady Greta Rogers ripped the owner Robert Sarver for trying to put the tax burden on the Phoenix citizens. Yeah, I saw that where they – yeah, I saw that where they where he threatened to take the team to um, – to what's it, where he threatened to move the team. Um, Seattle, to Seattle. And Mar- yeah, Seattle. Or, or Montreal. Yeah, and Vegas too, I mm-hmm. saw. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing an NBA team in Vegas. Yeah, but. they they will have one. They if they won't have one soon, if um, Brooklyn or Phoenix or Memphis doesn't go there, I really feel like they'll expand to to Vegas and Seattle. I doubt I doubt Brooklyn will leave. I mean, they still get a good bit of fans in that arena, even though they're not great. And plus, gambling is now legal in New Jersey, so and they're getting better. They're, the the Nets are getting way better. The Nets are hot right now, man. I'm telling you, they're they're favored tonight against the Pacers at home. Or actually, I think they might be plus two and a half or something like that. I mean, it's gonna be close. D'Angelo Russell's been playing better. I'm, yes, I'm, it's has. time now for me for D'Angelo Russell to see if he can make that jump to being an All Star or to being a star player. You know what I mean? I think it's. I feel like this season and next season are like it's time for D'Angelo Russell to make that jump, the put up or shut up. And I, I mean, he went off the other night. He was doing his little ice cold against his old team, the Lakers. He was. I mean, I think that also helped a little bit the fact that he was playing against his old team, but. I mean, it's time for him, you know, to kind of put up or shut up. Yes, it is. Um, I like D'Angelo Russell a lot. I think um, this was one of the best things for him to go to Brooklyn and to get a team of his own that he can kind of command and help help lead. Because I think that as a immature young guy in the NBA, that is one of the best reality checks you can get is uh, being shipped mm-hmm. off to a bad team and having to bring them out of the ashes. And I feel like he's done a really good job of maturing in the last year and a half. And um, the the future is fucking bright in Brooklyn, man. They got a good team. Yeah, he brought his point, especially when they get Karis LeVert back. His points per game is up uh, two and a half from last year. His assists are about this. His assists are actually up a full assist as well. So I mean, he's getting better. This is his fourth year in the league, so and probably year, in, a, in, a, in a in a lower usage rate from last year. I'd be willing yeah, to bet. I mean, 
Well, he was hurt a lot. He only played 48 games last year, so he wasn't really – he's played every game though so far this year, so that's been a lot different for him too. But I really look for D'Angelo Russell to make the jump next season. I think that I think this season he's kind of starting to put everything together. I think next year or the year after that is when it's going to be time to make the jump, and we're really going to see what kind of player D'Angelo Russell is. But I yeah. agree with you. He had to get out of, he had to get out of L.A. He needed mm-hmm. a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's discuss one of the biggest turnarounds in NBA history in terms of stats. Um, let me give you a quick little infographic about the Kings, the Sacramento Kings last year. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of pace, whatever stat they use to determine pace in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns were 30th out of 30 teams last year. This season, they're second. Points per game, last year 30th, this year 5th. Field goal percentage, last year 22nd, this year 3rd. Fast break points, last year 20th, this year First in fast break points. Paint points last year, 22nd. This year, 4th. Points off turnovers last year, 23rd. This year, 2nd. Is this one of the biggest turnarounds you've ever seen from year to year for an NBA team? Yes, but at the same time, I expected it. I was really, really high on De'Aaron Fox. Like I've said about these last two drafts, I think they're about – eight to ten players deep that I could see being potential all-stars, and everyone says told me that's ridiculous. You never see that many all-stars come from one draft, but they also don't realize is how all these players have adapted the new style of play in the NBA so the NBA better suits them. I was really expecting De'Aaron Fox to get better. He has honestly exceeded my expectations this season. By far, will, dude. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. I was, and I thought Buddy Heel would be good in the league. I thought that he would be a little bit better quicker, though, just because he was an older guy that played all four years at Oklahoma, but... I'm going to honestly say I'm surprised the Kings are this good. I figured they could get those stats, like, maybe crack in the top ten, but, I mean, how good and how how well they played this season. I mean, I've, I've told people last night or uh, when they played the – I guess that was on Wednesday night where they were on NBA TV versus the Thunder. I kept telling my dad and brother, I was like, yo, y'all going to stay up and watch this Kings game with me? And they were like, why do you want to watch the oh, Kings? Oh, the Kings, I was oh, like, not, dude. Wake up. The Kings yeah, are I was on like, the hey, way. Man, you might be a little surprised by what you see tonight. You'll like what you see, but honestly, the Kings got blown out that game, so it wasn't really as fun as the, I wanted. The sentiment before, still but... stands, though. Mm-hmm. I promise you, I'm going to make them watch another Kings game with me this season, and they're going to be like, all right, all right, you're right. And, you know, when I really figured out the Kings were for real this season was I went to the Hawks-Kings game, and the Kings put up put up 144 points on us. I was like, look, I know we suck, but I remember that game. Points I remember that game. Points. Like, yeah. You don't, like, 144 points. Like, that's 140, you know what I mean? Like, Well, and, and, that's and how- this is not the Hawks team of last year where the organization made Coach Bud sign D-leaguers, and he was literally keeping his team in every game. Lloyd Pierce has a way better roster than Coach Bud had last year. Putting up 144 on an NBA defense is fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. And another thing, too, about the Hawks is, so I don't know if you if you've read it all into this or not, but... Like they always say about the NBA, it's a copycat league. It's not, you know what I mean? Somebody comes up with something new, you copycat it, and you mm-hmm. find a way to make it a little bit better. The They have this thing that the the Pierce is from Philadelphia. They call it gamifying. And so what they do basically is they have a four-point line on the floor, and then they also have about lines. I've read it, about yeah, this. In the, yeah, they have lines in the corner to kind of mark off because the three-point arc is 23.75 feet, but in the corners it's 22 feet. So they have it kind of – so they have it cut off in the corner to where it starts growing out again. So that way they can shoot because the highest percentage three-pointers are shot in the corners of the court. That's the easiest shot on the court to hit for three. So they have it – so they're shooting higher percentage shots. They're spreading the floor a lot more so he can run his offense with John Collins and with Trey Young. And John Collins has been absolutely going off Bro, lately like he, John he is a dog lately mm-hmm. he is way more aggressive last year this is the step that you wanted him to take exactly in his last uh I believe in his last eight games he is he so he went for 11 and 19 then 24 and 11 26 and 14 30 and 12 20 and 17 11 and 14 29 and 8 and 20 and 13 John yeah. Collins has been eating over his last seven games. And I look for him to continue it again tonight against the Knicks. He's going to expose these bad Knicks big men, and I think he's going to take them to work. And he's only a second-year player that just got healthy. He missed about the first 20 or so games of the season. He's probably yes, only he he's only played in like 16, 7, or probably even less than that. He's probably played in 10 or 12 games he, this year. Yeah, max. Mm-hmm. So probably 15 games max. And he's been absolutely going off. So, I mean, 
Dude, John Collins would be scary. Let me man. let me put it to you this way: I'm a Hawks hater, and I will hate that move that they did Doncic for Young. But I am very excited for John Collins. He is an absolute dog. Oh, absolutely! It's going to be fun to watch. But I mean, I feel like we pretty much covered everything. You think? My last point. Too? My last point. Is it time to apologize to Vlade Divac for Buddy Hield? We. Me and you guys like me and you guys who watch college basketball, I don't I'm not a nut, but I watch college basketball enough to see the prospects. We liked Buddy Hilt coming out of college. Mm-hmm. He hit a snag his first two years in the NBA. Now he's putting up fucking 19, 6, and 4. Is it time to say, yeah, maybe we were wrong for overreacting to his early struggles? Yes, I will say I will say though I did overreact a little bit to his early struggles. I thought that Heald should be better than he was doing. I noticed last year though he's picking up a little bit at the end of the season, but I really wasn't expecting kind of this from him this season. I mean, I was expecting him to be like max out at 15 points per I'll, game. But I was expecting a gradual good. increase, not this fucking thunderstruck eat your ass type shit, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like he, Buddy Heald's been playing out of his mind this season. Another thing referring back to prospects, I kind of forgot to say this earlier, but I like to see, did you watch that Duke-Texas Tech game last night? Did not. So at the end of the game, Zion Williamson, they're up by, Duke's up by five. He comes in the paint, hits a little spin move, and they, so they were calling these ridiculous offensive fouls on Duke. They were just calling charges. They called probably 10, 12 charges on Duke last night. It was ridiculous. He spin moves. It was clearly not a charge. Even Dickie V and whoever was calling the game with him were freaking out over how it was not a charge. You know what Zion did? He made the basket, too. got it taken away. He fouled out on that play with five minutes left. Zion was just Zion did not overreact to the referee. He went and sat on the bench, and you know who was pulling for his team the biggest? It was him. Most players would sit over there and hang their head. Instead, he was up jumping up and down for his team. And the reason why I didn't like DeAndre Ayton was because he got his lunch taken by Buffalo last year in that in that NCAA tournament game they lost. And you know what he was doing after the game? Moping and crying. You know, man, I'm going to the NBA. I'm out of here. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, you know what, I'm embarrassed. I just got beat by Buffalo when I'm the number two seed. I'm supposed to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He was like, no, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to the NBA. It is what it is. Like, he didn't give a damn. And that's not what I want to see. Zion was there pulling for his team. That's the kind of player I want. That's my last. That's the last thing I got for you on this podcast. That's the last thing I got for you as well. Me and you had a great episode. This was definitely our best one by far, number five. Um, talked about a lot, covered a lot of different topics, and it seemed like this time we were more intertwined with how we – move the conversation like we would talk about the suns for 10 minutes and then we talk about this and then what we, we we were pretty organized today i would say yeah no i think today was definitely one of our better episodes i feel like we get better every episode which is what you want to see you know we're just like your nba team every the gradual effort. improvement you want to see, you see the season mm-hmm. yeah exactly we're just like the kings baby we're getting and we're not tanking we don't tank on this podcast yeah we, no, we no, only no. try to win Nah, tanking's not it. Yeah, we don't tank at all on this podcast. I mean, I'm a fan of tanking, but I'm not a fan of podcast tanking. So no, never, never a fan of podcast tanking. Thomas Penland, yeah, plug yourself. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3. Get at me, like I said, guys. DM me if you want me to show up your we, favorite player. We will for show you. Try to call James Harden now. Lance man. Stevenson's the worst about it. Yeah, don't no, don't absolutely. don't make me expose your man candy Monday, please. Yeah, don't make us do it to you. Cohen, tell them where to find you at and get us out of here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I don't do Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, Cohen Hughes. I, I talk sports on there a lot. Um, Instagram, Cohen underscore Hughes. I do Reddit. Um, I'm mostly a lurker on Reddit, though. I don't participate in open discussions because Reddit is an echo chamber. You you say things and you, you're just not sure what you're going to get back. So I usually stay off of that. But This has been episode number five of The Association Podcast with Thomas Penland and Cohen Hughes. Ladies and gentlemen, we sincerely hope you enjoyed.